Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. I've got my coffee and I'm ready to sit with you and enjoy time with you today. We've been talking about what it means to be a grace-filled warrior, and for the last two weeks, we've really been focused on the fact that there is a battle that rages, yet we have been equipped to be fierce, armed with all we need, and then given the gift of the Word of God to hold tight to and plant ourselves down and to anchor our prayer life in. And today... I want to tell you two stories to introduce to you what I believe is the central need of all of our lives. So the first story is I homeschool. We homeschool our kids and have um, for many years now, not because I really felt have ever felt gifted at it. It has always been something that every year we've laid before the Lord And every year he has told us to continue for one more year. So there are many times in the year where I feel very inadequate and worry that I'm not doing it well, measuring up. I, you know, worry about my kids testing and all the things that probably we all worry about. And, but one year, uh, a long time ago, there was a bunch of us standing outside waiting for our kids to be released from testing. So we were all homeschooling moms and we were waiting for the kids to come out of the testing quietly, maybe all of us standing in reserved, maybe more isolated patches where you may be standing with a friend, but everybody was just kind of quiet. And into that quietness, somebody's voice kind of spoke out and the words that she said struck me. She said, I don't think I can keep doing this. I'm not even sure I like doing this. I'm not even sure I enjoy being with my children anymore. I don't believe I'm very good at what I'm doing. And I think that we're done. And it, it, this is not about really her or even homeschooling, because I will have to say that she was bold enough to say the words that I have felt many, many times in homeschooling. But I have also felt those same things many, many times while my children were in real school. I just have felt like I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't, I'm not enjoying my children right now. And this is too hard. I'm not doing it well. I'm completely discouraged. Yet she spoke it out loud and it was, I stood in that moment and honestly, she wasn't really my friend. I didn't really know her then. And I waited 
for the women I knew were her friends in that room to speak truth and to speak life into her in that moment. And no one really said anything. I think because all of us could relate and it was so deeply personal and it was so completely painful of an admission and it struck to the heart of each one of us. And so I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you kind of feel inadequate, like, what can I say? And I remember waiting and instead only hearing platitudes, like, it's going to get better. You're a great mom. You can do it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with those places of encouragement. But I think when our hearts are broken and we're desperate, we need friendships that are like what we're going to talk about today in the word. So I want you to hold that moment with that woman and think about a time that maybe you felt like she feels, or you've heard someone else say those same things. And I want now for us to go look in Exodus and we're going to look in Exodus 17. And I want to set this stage for you. Um, This is right as the Israelites have escaped from Egypt. So Moses is leading them. Pharaoh has said, yes, you can leave, get out of here. And they make a run for it. And then, of course, Pharaoh and his army, he changes his mind and he starts to chase them. So now they're terrified and they're running, you know, running to escape. And they get to the Red Sea And the Egyptian army is behind them. And then they watch God do this amazing miracle where he works. The scripture says he does it. He does it all through the night and he parts the Red Sea. And that's a story for another time about the crazy of that, that I could tell you anyway, and parts the Red Sea and they race across the Red Sea, right? Because God is holding back the Egyptian army because scripture says that he had his cloud behind them to kind of, in essence, hold at bay Pharaoh and his army parts the Red Sea. They start going across the Red Sea. Then Pharaoh's army comes into the sea. They are on the other side and they turn to look back, which is only natural. And they watch the Red Sea completely swallow up all of Pharaoh and his army. And then scripture even says, and Pharaoh's Pharaoh's body and the Egyptian army's body that they it washed up on shore as if just to tell the Israelites, yes, they're dead. There are their dead bodies. It's done. And so then they go a little bit further into the wilderness. And the next story, after they rejoice and they worship the Lord, is they receive manna. They begin to get fed from heaven and manna comes and, and they watch that and that's a miracle in and of itself. And then they're thirsty and they're desperate for water. And honestly, at this point, we, we know the pattern of the Israelites and they tend to just complain. We should go back to Egypt. It would have been better there. And this is when Moses makes water come from, for them from the rock. And right, right after this. So we have this group of people who is adjusting to freedom their heads are kind of spinning. They've seen miracles. They've experienced a power of their God because he has like poured manna from heaven. 
And then they swing, though, so easily from relief, oh, we're fed, to fear and panic, oh, but we're thirsting to death. You know, from comfort, oh, we, we're, we're okay. We're safe from the army of Pharaoh to complete doubt. This is terrible. This is the worst thing. And we're looking anxiously around. From um, hunger and thirst can just, the hunger and the thirst can just rock their world just mess them up completely. And yet over and over, God proves himself faithful to them to the fullest. And then it is after these provisions, they come to a place called Rephidim. I I think, I don't really know how you pronounce it, but I'm going to call it Rephidim. And we're all going to forgive me if I'm way wrong. But this is in Exodus 17. And What happens here to me is remarkable. This is the story where they come against the first enemy or warrior army as escaped, as an escaped people group, the Israelites. So they come against a warrior king named Amalek. And Amalek It says, and this story is also picked up in Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, it gives a little more information about how Amalek comes against them. And it's interesting that Amalek does not like stand on a hillside and say, y'all can't come any further. We're going to fight. No, what Amalek does, it says in Deuteronomy, that he attacks from behind. So you have this weary group of people. They have been walking across the wilderness. They have been rocked by being chased in the Red Sea and they got food and they got water and they're, they're just trying to figure out what life is about. And there is somebody picking off the weak and the tired and they're young in the back of the group. The ones who are lagging become their victims first. And imagine that terror. Imagine the terror. You have just escaped Pharaoh's army that's been chasing you. And I mean, I would have been terrorized to be one of the last people running. And yet I probably would have been one of the last ones running across the Red Sea. And imagine you're dragging your children with you and you are just hoping to goodness that you can get across because you don't know that God's about to crash the Red Sea. But now it's happening again. And it's a different people group chasing you. And so Moses sends Joshua and the Israelite men into this valley to fight Amalek. It's done. Like, we're going to have to fight him. He can't keep picking off our people. And so Moses goes up on the hillside. So remember, the Israelite army is not a, a warring army. They are not fully equipped with all the best Um, equipment, all the best weaponry. They don't have all that. They have whatever they escaped Egypt with. But when Moses stands, he, he comes, he goes up on the hill and it says in Exodus that he takes his staff and that he makes it, he holds it up as a banner. And at, this is the same staff that had provided the water that had provided safe passage through the Red Sea. The reality is if we back all the way up into Egypt, it is the same staff that Moses used for miracles 
in front of Pharaoh. When Moses stands up on the hill above this battle and he extends his staff up, God's people, the Israelites, prevail in the arm in the in the war. But when he gets tired in the sun and it's been a long day, and it was, I mean, it, the Bible's clear that this is a battle that goes on all day. The battle, when he gets tired, and so his arms start to droop and he puts it down for a minute to rest, the battle swings in favor of Amalek and his army. And Aaron and her, Aaron is Moses' brother, and her was another man. And they had gone up with Moses up onto this hill. And they recognize what is going on. They begin to see the pattern. When Moses puts his staff down, we start losing. And so they quickly do two things, the Bible says. They put a stone up under Moses to have a seat on, and they hold his arms up. So they do two things. They provide a place for Moses to rest as he is holding up the banner of God in the battle. And they give him external strength. They stand beside him and they give him companionship and hold his arms up for him when his fatigue cannot do it for himself. And God gives victory to the people that day. And you know, when at the end of the battle, what happens is Moses and the people are not confused. They win the battle and and Moses doesn't gather the people around and say, this staff that I held up, it is magical and we need to worship it. Moses was not confused as to who won that battle. In fact, nobody was. The statement and the truth was that they had raised the banner and Jehovah Nisi had won this battle. And they, that is who they worshiped that evening as the darkness came. So now, that's a great story, but I want to marry these two things because see, you and I and that friend of mine in that hallway waiting to pick up her children after the testing, we are all standing in this wilderness of life on a battlefield that we're not equipped for. We don't even know sometimes how strong the enemy can be and we're scared and it's easy for us to be discouraged and to feel undone and to think that we cannot win. In fact, sometimes what happens is we have walked with God And he has walked us through something fierce. He has rescued us, whether it's just we recognize that he has rescued us from the bondage of sin and we've been saved and Jesus is our way maker and we get that. He has made a way through the Red Sea for us and our enemies have washed up on shore and we have watched it happen and we have rejoiced and we have walked on and then slowly fear and worry and doubt begin to creep up on the back end of us. And start to pick us, just kind of pick at us a little bit. Or maybe what happens is we have been walking great and the enemy starts actually to pick on one of our little ones. They're a little slower. They're a little weaker in their faith. And the enemy, we begin to see the enemy 
taking stabs at one of our people. Sometimes we panic about the plan that God has for us, and we are not liking it. Walking through this land, and there are people threatening us. There's experiences that threaten to discourage us. And yet, what I want you to understand is even though we can have a lot of days where we understand that God's manna is our provision and we understand that he is right with us and he is leading us by a cloud by day and a fire at night and we can rejoice, we still have days that are really stinky and hard. And for you and for me, Mama, we have been given, and we've been talking about this for weeks, as grace-filled warriors, we've been given the sacred privilege to hold up the banner, Jesus, in our home. To hold high the truth that what he has done for each of us, for ourselves, for our children, to speak into the void that sin creates and point to the one who dispels it all and sets us free from sin and from death. That's our sacred role. Like it is amazingly beautiful and holy and crazy, crazy hard. And it's discouraging. And it feels a lot of days like we're not doing it well. And if I can be just super honest with you, I have four children that are on the cusp of adulthood and I have four that aren't. So in the four who are on the cusp of adulthood, it has been hard. There have been so many nights where I've laid in the bed and little tears have kind of come to my eyes because I know I'm, I didn't do it right. I didn't do it the way I wanted. I said the wrong thing. I didn't say anything. Choices were made. Ways are being walked. Lies are being believed. Truths are hard to speak into the void. Doubt prevails. And yet, we are called to hold high the banner of Jesus. And we get tired. And we need our arm-lifting friends. We need the errands and hers in our life to hold our arms up when the battle is raging. But you know what that means? That means that there needs to be a vulnerability for us to speak like my friend did in that hallway and say, I can't do this. I don't think I'm any good. I don't even like my kids right now. I need, I, I need truth. And just like she didn't need a platitude, She needed somebody to put a stone under her for her to sit down to rest her soul in the moment of anxiety and despair. And she needed friends to say, I'm going to hold your arms up. I will keep speaking gospel truth to you in this moment so that you can keep holding it up to your kids. When your kids doubt, when they say, I don't think God's real. I don't think this is the way. I don't think he's worth it. When they wonder if they're worth it, if they begin to go, you know, I'm not, this life isn't worth it. This isn't good. When the battle is huge, which it becomes, 
and seasons. You need arm lifters. We need each other to speak gospel truth to each other. And that is what we're going to talk about as the weeks go on. How do we practically speak gospel truth in moments when worlds are falling apart? And how do we create space for that with one another? And how do we understand who are my arm lifting friends? How do we look for them? How do we ask for them? And how do we become them for our friends around us? How do we gain that wisdom and that discernment to speak the right words? So with that friend in the hallway, she became a friend of mine. Because as I stood there in that moment, it was like I couldn't be quiet. And if you are like her today, I want you to hear this. Because it is... At the depth of my being, I want you to understand. It is okay to say, I can't do this. You need friends around you to say, yes, you can. To put a stone under your bum and to hold your arms up as you hold Jesus high in your home. And oftentimes for me, It has meant that I've had to call my friends and literally say, these are the lies I am believing. And my friends to call it out as a lie and to speak truth in that moment, even if that truth is hard or it hurts or it doesn't seem comfortable. And I have been blessed with friends who are committed to me in that. But I want you to understand If you don't have a friend like that, I will be your friend. I will hold your arms up, my friend, because Jesus is our pivot. And we can pivot to him. He is faithful and true. And in the moments where it feels like you're not enjoying your life with a screaming toddler and a hitting preschooler and a sassy nine-year-old, if that's your story. I'm going to tell you that God will fully equip you for today. And he will let you walk it out with his grace spilling out of you as you let his grace fill you. And that goes back to one of the first ones we talked about becoming a grace filled warrior. But today I want you, if you don't have an arm lifter in your life, A woman who understands that this life needs help. We need to help one another. And if you don't have a friend who offers you a gospel-centered truth when you feel like you're falling apart, then first of all, I want you to know I'll be your friend. You can reach out to me by email. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. And I promise I talk back. (laughs) I've had some friends, some friends. Women who've reached out to me and they can't believe that I talk back. And I do. I will talk back. But more importantly, I want you to hunger for a friend like that. And to begin to pray 
to have eyes to see that woman and where she might be in your world. And then to have a heart that says, God, I don't know how to be that woman to another friend, but I want to be. I want to learn how to be an arm lifter. And then let's begin to lift each other up in the truths of the gospel that Jesus will be lifted high in our home. This is a heartbeat cry for me. We need to change the language from some of the language we use and understand that mentorship, discipleship, Bible study, leading another woman, whatever you want to call it, the reality of it is, is that when we live as arm lifters to one another, our faiths will deepen as we walk together in his word. I want you to know I will be that for you if you don't have another one. I hope you have an amazing day today. I hope you begin to see the women in your life that God is saying they will lift your arms up. And for today, I want you to know that Jesus is absolutely a banner that will shine over your home, over your family, no matter how dark it feels today. And he will bring his light and he offers his life because he loves you so deeply. You can find all these truths on my website as well at bethanykinsey.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykinsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see That when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.